Welcome to the Youth Perspective Podcast. We are doing a seven-part series on the impact of COVID-19 on our community. And in the end, we will provide our own perspective on what we have heard. Please excuse the quality of this broadcast as we are recording the podcast from the safety of our homes. My name is Jason. My name is Abdullah. And we are both NVU High students who are part of the NVU Youth Council, which is a leadership group that advocates for drug prevention and youth voice. In today's episode, we will be interviewing the vice principal of JFK Middle School, Mr. Yagabuchi, who will provide his perspective as an administrator in JFK Middle School. So, uh, hello, Mr. I. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Everyone uh, that is hearing this is is healthy and, uh, you know, is safe uh, given these times. I'm very honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, should we jump right into it then? Sure, Absolutely. All right, cool. Um, so, Mr. I, so how would you say your um, your role as the, uh, like, your role in the school administration has changed since the arrival of COVID-19? Well, I think we just have more tasks. You know, we, we still have the same basic job of making sure that students get an education and um, that they're safe, et cetera. It's just that now we have additional ways in which we have to consider the same problems we've always had. So in other words, we have to educate, but now we have to learn how to educate in another way. We have to make sure that students are safe, and now we have to also make sure that they're safe in a new way. So I just think that, you know, we, we've, you know, just like everybody else in the, in the private sector or in other positions publicly, you, you know, you now have more things added to your job and to your role that you have to consider. Mm-hmm when it comes to the stakeholders involved. Cool. So you missed something about like changing the way people teach. So how would you say the um, pandemic has affected how teachers um, have been teaching students? Well, I, I, I think that having to go digitally or with distance learning is, is a learning experience for everybody. Um, I know that it's a learning experience for the teachers and, and they're going to receive additional training that it's a learning experience for our students, especially at the pre-K to eight level. Um, there's going to have to be some some training there. Um, so, you know, it's um, it's it's addition an additional way to educate, and um, you know, who knows to what extent it will be part of the future beyond COVID. Um, mm-hmm. What will remain and and what we'll lose, how we'll learn from from what we're doing right now and how we can incorporate in that into an even more effective way to educate our, our young people. You know, we have to look at the circumstances as these circumstances as something that is there to gain. How can we be more effective for our students? Well, mm-hmm. now we have another way that we have to educate them. So overall down the road, we're looking at being even more effective with educating our population. Um, just something to add, um, is the, uh, I'm just wondering, is the middle school, uh, primary, like uh, the uh, elementary school and the high school, are they all using the same system? Yes, the same um, platform, Microsoft platform, uh, Office Suites, and those programs currently. Cool. Have you had any feedback from parents and students on distance learning? And how do you think things went overall? Uh, we have had feedback from parents. Uh, and students and staff, all, you know, some positive, some negative. And we've had, you know, I would say 
most of how I think it went overall was as good as we could have hoped. You know, that's really my reaction to that, that part of the question. But the first part of the question, you know, we have students that thrived and students that struggled. We had parents that thrived and parents that struggled. Um, and we had educators in the same fashion. Um, and we heard about all situations, um, you know, and, and great and, and, um, and difficult. So, you know, it's, um, it's been an adjustment, I think, for, for everyone, which you can't really say that about a society where you had a change that affected everyone. And this is one of those circumstances where everyone in education was affected, I think, outside of homeschooling families. You know, everyone was, everyone was impacted. So Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can you tell us from an administrative point of view how the grading system for the middle school was determined? And have you heard any feedback from parents or students? Um, I think that the first part of the question, as far as what was considered, you know, you had differences at every level in terms of the amount of technology that you could count on families having. When you consider that, you have to be a little, have a little more leeway, a little more flexibility. Uh, on top of that, you have to consider the social and emotional strain that families could or any particular family could be under, whether it's related to their job or health reasons or, you know, time management in the home. So you had to create a, a grading system that allowed for latitude or as much latitude as possible for students to be able to feel good about whatever level of education they could go after or could be brought to them. You know, we have to consider the whole person when we have them in our building. And when we don't have to have them in our building, we have to consider the whole person, the entirety of what they could be going through or circumstances that they could be under. So we created a grading system with as much latitude and forgiveness and understanding as possible, which I think makes complete sense, given that everybody was caught off guard. The feedback, you know, sometimes you say, on, you know, nothing is better. I haven't heard or know of people who were upset by that kind of latitude and understanding. But, you know, we, we did a lot of planning around grading when it came to considering the child for the most part only. You know, how are they going to feel about grades? How are they going to be? Are they going to be upset about work they did or didn't do or laid on or, or you know, and it's, it's a lot to consider. So you had to build in a lot of latitude. That provides a lot of clarification for me. So some people are nervous about returning to school in the fall and others are excited to see their friends again. How do you see reopening going? And can you tell us a few measures that the school is taking to keep students safe when it reopens? Sure. I mean, this is one of those questions where you, you can't really go into it, uh, you know, too much detail. But I can say that in this district, at every level, whether it's K to pre-K or, you know, K to 2, 3 to 5, 6 to 8, 9 to 12, uh, each level is developing their plans. And those plans include every possible scenario, you know, um, whether it's 100% distance learning all the way to zero distance learning. You know, how are we going to keep people safe? How are we going to keep populations of students in, you know, state mandated numbers, distances apart, 
those kinds of things, you know, so there's a, a variety of plans. And I think that as always, you know, at least for the last six months, the, the data dictates the plan that we need to go with. So as we get closer to the school opening, we'll have to take a look at the data and that data will have to align with, you know, one of those 10 or, you know, at our level, 10 different plans so that we make sure that students are safe. You know, we have plans that are all virtual and scheduled that way. We have plans that are hybrid, combination of both, whether it be every other day or every two days or every week or every other week students are in school. And then you have plans where, you know, there isn't any distance learning. And if we have a situation where for at least a period of time, we're going to have to have everybody in the building, how are we going to make sure that our numbers are so and our populations are so in that, you know, we can limit the amount of people in the building at one time or the amount of people in one space at one time, you know, everything from signage to cohorting to you know, some of the other suggestions that come down that have come down from the state in terms of recommendations about how you schedule. But at this point in the game, you really have to have a plan for everything, you know, every scenario, because the way that the data plays out is going to dictate certain requirements uh, from a state level. And um, we're going to have to be there to adapt because there are other legal requirements in terms of how students need to be educated and what what services they they require. So, you know, we're going to have to have a plan to meet both things legally, whether it's traffic patterns and transitions and you know there's a lot of signage and there's a lot of things to consider when it, when we think about in person. When we think about digital, well there has to be a lot of training and opportunities for people to learn. So speaking about the building, do you know if COVID-19 has affected the renovations or is everything going smoothly? Positively, actually. Um, This is an upside for us. We had our construction start early because there wasn't anybody in the building. Um, So they're ahead of schedule, I think. Um, You know, don't quote me on that. That might be something we cut later. Um, But um, that's not factual. But I do know what is factual is that they were able to start early. So that's good. But, you know, people come and go just like they do everywhere else with masks and at a safe distance. And, you know, hats off to uh, the state of Connecticut, you know, and the people that are in it, because looking at the other 50 states, you know, we're at the top of the hill in terms of being able to keep our healthcare systems and our police forces and our students safe and trending in the right direction. Is there anything that you would like to say to parents or students listening? Be patient, I guess. That's all I can ask. You know, that's all, you know, I will be patient with every student and every parent and every circumstance and every situation and as understanding as possible. You know, we're, you know, we're all in every facet, parents, students, healthcare workers, people in businesses, education, we're all doing the best that we can and we're working as hard as we can to make sure that what we're responsible for is going in the right direction. You know, we, um, we have to be patient when things can change so quickly, you know, and I, and I think that that's probably the most important thing we could ask of everyone that's involved is that, you know, we will do our due diligence to make sure that first and foremost, everybody is safe. And then secondly, that everybody is educated properly. Are there any other ways the reopening is needed to be adapted or changed for the 2020 and 2021 school year? And I'll try not to um, go on to, you know, to too much detail and, and 
create a controversy of, of any kind, but it's important to understand that the planning that we're doing at a, at a district level also includes uh, issues related to equity, issues related to um, making sure that that curriculum is appropriate, uh, making sure that students have a platform and are able to uh, discuss and hear about um, current matters related to um, social justice issues, equity issues, um, curriculum alignment issues, um, and also a hope would be to, um, you know, create, whether it be committees or groups of people who have planned trainings and or opportunities to discuss uh, those, those same matters and then make recommendations for change. So uh, those areas of education moving forward are, are important as well when we consider how we're looking at reopening in the 2020-2021 school year. All right. Uh, really appreciate you for participating, Mr. Yakabuchi. You're welcome. It was a wonderful opportunity, and um, thank you so much. First off, we'd like to thank you again, Mr. Yakabuchi, for coming on our podcast. It was a pleasure having you on the show. You can also find our podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And if you would like to learn more about the Anfield Youth Council, you can go follow our Instagram page at Anfield Youth Council. Finally, we would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for our next podcast with Mel Naveen, a college student at Central Connecticut State University. See you there.